In 1904, Adolf S. Ox moved his newspaper, the New York Times, to a new 25-story skyscraper at 42nd and Broadway. That same year, New York's first subway, the IRT, started running from the Financial District to 145 with a stop in the newly rechristened Times Square. In 1913, the first coast-to-coast highway stretched from Lincoln Park in San Francisco to Midtown, New York. Wall Street was the driving engine of America, but 42nd Street was our mirror. As our fortunes rose and fell, you could see it there. In the Depression, it was a bleeding tragedy of beggars and scam artists. By the time the second big war was over, we cleaned ourselves up and went to a show around the corner on Broadway. It was never exactly a hangout for high society, but by the 60s, all the respectable people moved to the burbs and left Times Square to the tourists and commuters at the port and anyone who understood the meaning of the word Mark. Have you seen Midnight Cowboy? Even then, nobody would have described the area as family-friendly. But then, in 1973, the Supreme Court ruled on Miller v. California. I won't bore you with the details, but it was an obscenity case that ultimately gave more control to local governments, recognizing that what was considered obscene in Utah might not hurt as many feelings in New York City. After years of corruption scandals and recent budget cuts, the NYPD wasn't cracking as many heads, and all of a sudden the easiest block in America became the sleaziest. Which brings us to the deuce. There's been a change in the law. Something about community standards. What about community standards? Apparently, New York has none. Hey, everybody. My name is Mike. I am the host of the Deuce DVR, part of the DVR Podcasting Network. Check us out on Twitter at DVR Podcast or at DVRPodcast.com. We do a lot of shows about television, obviously, things you can hold on your DVR. But this particular show is about the Deuce, the new show on HBO from David Simon and George Pelicanos. These guys have been responsible for some of my favorite television ever made, including The Wire, Treme, The Corner. They're working with Richard Price again, who wrote for their previous shows. And also, no slouch here, he wrote Clockers. So this team doesn't do lightweight shit, right? The Deuce is set in Times Square in New York City starting in 1971. As I mentioned in the intro, 42nd Street was a seedy place by then, and the arrival of full-on porno shops, peep show joints, and open prostitution a few years later didn't exactly class up the area. But that's what makes Simon's shows great. He doesn't give a shit about class, and he doesn't particularly seem to like people who pretend to have it. (laughs) Right? Uh, I don't know how much you've heard about the show exactly. It's just brand new. It hasn't quite started yet. HBO has released the pilot episode on demand and on HBO Now and HBO Go. But the official premiere on the uh, venerable network is September 10th. So uh, let's look at the show a little bit. Let's talk about what we expect, what we're excited about, and just kind of warm up a little bit for the deuce. The two main faces of the show that you've probably heard of already are James Franco and Maggie Gyllenhaal. So Franco plays actually a pair of twins, which is usually something that would run me off from a TV show. You know, one guy playing twins, it's typically, I would think of that as a gimmick, right? Apparently, in this case, early on in the development process for the show, Simon and Pelicanos met a guy who was a twin who worked on Times Square in the set, and he told them all these stories. And it was apparently this guy's stories that really provided the kind of initial ideas and really more than just ideas and stories, a lot of the kind of vibe, right, and the feel that got these guys excited to do the show. 
So Franco plays both this guy and his brother. In the show, they're named Vincent and Frankie Martino. One of them is a bartender. One of them seems to be a little bit of a degenerate gambler from what they've said. Apparently, they end up in some way dealing with the mob. It's not exactly clear how all of that happens yet. But I think, you know, Franco looks good with a mustache. And, uh, you know, we'll give him a chance, right? Just the fact that it is actually based on real people gives me some hope. Okay, maybe it'll work. We'll see. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal plays Eileen Candy Morell. She is a Times Square sex worker. Uh, they describe her as having an entrepreneurial spirit. And she is apparently starts out working the street. And uh, after the Miller v. California case, when they start making porn openly in the United States and porn really starts to become a big business. She uh, sees what they're doing and decides that she wants to get into it. So Franco and Gyllenhaal are obviously lily white, right? But race is another thing that Simon and Pelicano shows have all dealt with, and they've dealt with them from many different angles. Baltimore as uh, the base city of The Wire and New Orleans for Treme are both cities with a much higher percentage of African-Americans than the national average. Uh, New York takes the diversity of those southern cities and turns it up to 11. Right, I haven't scanned the cast list very extensively, but there better be some Puerto Ricans in this show. You know, there's obviously uh, a huge Asian population, whether you're talking about more kind of East Asia, Chinese. Uh, we were fighting a war in Vietnam at the time, so I assume that that's going to be dealt with in some way or another. And then also in New York, there are huge communities of West Asian people from India and Pakistan, and you rarely see those kind of faces in television but you certainly see them in new york all the time so it'll be interesting to see how all of that kind of figures in because you know they've always all of their shows have had significant black characters who are you know developed in the way that you would want any character any interesting character in a show to be so interested to see what they do with that uh, but it's really the whole prostitution to porno pipeline that really started to expand in those years that I think may end up being the most interesting thing about the show, at least to me. Scary world out here, babe. Thoroughbred like you, we would own this damn street. I'm going to keep what I earn. I don't need you. I don't need anybody else to hold my money. Sex workers are rarely shown with much complexity in our entertainment, you know, and they're even less per often portrayed as having any... And like agency over their work you know they're mostly shown as as being unable to manage their own lives or their addictions or their families or whatever the case may be it's not often that they're shown as uh people who are in any sort of control of their life and while obviously that's true for some presumably it's not true for all uh and that is one of the kind of if you follow or pay attention to or take seriously at all um, sex worker communities that's one of the things they talk about frequently uh, is that in our entertainment in our news and our analysis and in this conversation sex work is rarely seen as uh, a viable and legitimate choice so it'll be interesting to see what they do with that uh, you know we got to remember that these are the guys who brought us bubbles right bubbles in the wire was a severe heroin addict uh, this is you know person who's homeless and, and begging at times and, and so on and so forth. He's not really the kind of person who is um, not really the kind of character who's given much respect in most of our entertainment. And Bubbles turned out to be one of the most beloved characters on The Wire. You know, it was 
superbly played, but it was obviously, you know, also very well written. So Simon and Pelicanos were both newspaper reporters in the beginning of their careers, and they know that people all live in gray areas. You know, they also present police officers, if you've seen The Wire, uh, as, you know, I mean, there was never an episode where McNulty was just the knight in shining armor, right? I mean, police officers are are shown as fully developed people who have good and bad sides and exhibit them frequently on the same day. On DVR, we do a show called Podcast Winterfell that is about Game of Thrones, you know, and obviously there's been a lot of talk on Game of Thrones about female representation and representation of minorities. And in fact, even sex workers, um, you know, there's been slavery on the show and, you know, a number of different brothels and stuff like that. So uh, one thing that as I was reading about the deuce that, that jumped out to me, there's a big New York Times article. They sent a writer out to the set actually for to, you know, watch the show while it was being filmed. Uh, and there's a, a, a paragraph in that article. We'll link it in the show notes where he says, now here comes a show about New York's sex trade that can neither soft pedal the brutal realities nor exploit the exploitation. Quote, if you allude to this in ways that clean it up, you're not dealing with the fact that not only was labor marginalized and misused, but that the product itself was the laborer. Mr. Simon says, referring to David Simon, the creator of the show, human beings were the product, unquote. So just those two sentences convey more nuance on this subject than you expect to get from most people, right? Let alone a lot of times our TV movies, stuff like that. So I want to learn how to make movies. If they can sell that in Europe, it's not going to be lost for we can make it sell it here. How do you know? America, right? It's Times Square, man. I mean, Times Square from 1904 until today. I'm not, I'm just a couple miles from it now. I'm sitting here right now. And to this day, no matter how disnified, as they say, no matter how cleaned up and how policed it is, you can still go down there and uh, get your pocket picked if you're not paying attention. So check us out we're going to be releasing an initial reaction podcast every week timed with the release of each episode these shows will have yours truly myself i will be joined by jason bailey who is the film critic at flavorwire.com and he's also the author of a bunch of brilliant film books he's also been a friend of mine for a long time i've been watching movies with him for 25 years the best thing about lining up to do this podcast with jason is that he truly is a, a proper aficionado of 70s flicks especially all the ones that were made in New York. He studied the way this time and place has been represented on film. He's a smart dude anyway, so I expect our conversations will include a lot of context. Uh, I also will be doing interviews throughout the season with people who are either experts on the show or experts on the era or elements of the show. We'll be talking to other television critics. I am, as we speak, working on setting up a conversation with you know at least one sex worker, some people from the production side of the porn industry. Uh, I'll interview a mobster if I can find one. <laughs> so I just, uh, you know, we'll be talking to people who are watching the show and who, you know, may have some sort of an interesting angle to comment, some sort of an interesting thing to say that I would never think of. So if you check out, uh, if you do watch Game of Thrones, if you did Game of Thrones, check out Podcast Winterfell. 
another one of the shows on the DVR Podcast Network. I've done a bunch of interviews for this season of Game of Thrones. I interviewed a medieval historian about war and weapons, and you know, I interviewed the founder of the No Confederate hashtag April Rain about you know issues with representation in the show and the the new show that they're trying to give to the guys from Game of Thrones and. Uh, so, you know, we've talked to a whole a neuroscience journalist about jealousy. And I mean, we've talked we went into some really interesting places with it. And I expect to do the same. The point is, we'll be approaching the deuce in a lot of ways because, you know, Simon and Pelicanos are fucking brilliant dudes and they deserve our attention. So they've got mine. There's a lot to look forward to with the show. Uh, oh, I forgot to say also the music. I mean, come on. Like, these are the guys that brought you Treme, right? I like Treme a lot, but it was a different kind of show than The Wire. To me, it had less dramatic tension relative to The Wire, but it more than made up for that kind of stuff in the scene building, character variation, and the fucking horns, man. The horns, right? The music. Now, of course, you know, it's not exactly the same. It's not like Times Square, 42nd Street, 1973. You've got you know, Kermit Ruffins blowing and, you know, in the middle of the road, right? I mean, you kind of had to work that stuff in New Orleans or you weren't going to do it right. But if you think about the music that was around in the era, um, I expect for there to be some good shit. And I'm really excited to see if in this show they kind of combine all of the uh, dramatic tension because I can't think of a better way to say it. That's how I said it just a second ago, and I can't think of a better way right this second. But they kind of combine the dramatic tension of The Wire with the scene building, the the character building, the photography, the variation, uh, and the music that was in Treme. It seems like this would be a good opportunity to kind of combine the two. So it will be dangerous and witty, and it will look great, and the soundtrack will be insane, and I think there's a very good chance that uh, it will also be smarter than we deserve. So, I'm looking forward to it. Times Square is required, actually by law, to be kind of as bright as it is, you know. A 1987 city ordinance requires every building in the area to have illuminated signs. And the bigger they are, the better. The brighter, the better. Especially now in the era of LEDs, you know. I mean, they can do anything with it, right? But in the era of the show that we're about to watch, in the era of the deuce, there were still dark corners in that neighborhood, so... Let's hope Simon and Pelicanos take a flashlight. Welcome to the Deuce. Keep in touch. There's going to be an opportunity coming your way. Once in a lifetime thing. So what am I looking at? Your future. When do we start? 